Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So, welcome to this special edition of OTC, looking at a part of the continent that we don't usually visit, but hey, when they're doing so well in the Champions League, you don't have any choice. Uh, let me say a big welcome to our guest here today, journalist Daniel Story has been, well, where the story is in terms of the Faroe Islands. Daniel, welcome to OTC. Thank you very much for having me. What a story. Um, the story of, as we would say in Sweden, Kåi. How would they uh, pronounce it in Faroe Islandish? You will get some of that. The One of the, the, the things I found is that even between villages of a thousand people that are only three or four miles apart, they have different dialects. So you get Kåi, you get Kåi, you get Kåi-e. Um, I think they would they would go with your pronunciation. I think. Kui, and what's the full name of the club that's from the Faroe Islands that's broken history, made history in the Champions League? Yeah, it's it's Kaoi Klaxvik, who are um, well, firstly became the first Faroese club to to reach uh, a group stage competition in in UEFA competition by getting to the Conference League this season. And since became the first Faroese club to win a group stage game in European competition. It's a remarkable story. Tell us why. Well, I mean, the Faroes is 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 an absolutely tiny nation. Uh, it's uh, under Danish rule, although has a large degree of separation. But it's only fifty five thousand people. It's it's slightly smaller than Hereford, um, and they are a country of of fishing, uh, of spectacular scenery and without doubt of football. They are, they are football obsessed. Um, but understandably having 55,000 population means that your ceiling is, is lower than in most other places. I think, um, Gibraltar, San Marino, um, are the two, uh, UEFA nations with smaller populations and the Faroes have always punched above their weight because of this obsession. Um, but until this year, domestically, that really wasn't the case. The The introduction of the Conference League clearly has offered a, a lifeline to uh, clubs below the, the elite uh, and in the cold backwaters of, of the North Sea. And... Um, yeah, and 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 Kaoi have, have have hugely taken advantage of that. They are, I mean, the first thing to say here is they are a semi-professional club, who 
the he- the headline is kind of they are a semi professional football club who drew with Lille in European competition this season, which is by any measure an astonishing feat. Uh, they are a you know they are a club of you know, the midfielder is an electrician, the the striker is a director for a a wholesale food company. Um, this is uh, it, everyone you speak to in the Pharaohs says that this is magic, so that this cannot happen, and yet is happening. There are so many layers to this, though, Daniel. I mean, you talked about the draw with Lille. You went to see that first win, didn't you, against Slovan Bratislava um, at their stadium? Well, it's not actually at their stadium. It was at the National Stadium, wasn't it? At yeah. Torshavn. Um But if we go back to the beginning of the campaign, and Dotton talked about it in the intro when he was talking about the Champions League, they get to the third round of the third qualifying round of the Champions League where they lose fairly narrowly to, to Mulder, who in turn lose fairly narrowly in the in, in the playoffs to Galatasaray, who are doing all sorts of stuff. So um I, I guess there's one long line of of, of of surprises there. But if you look at the teams they beat, I mean but, but let's forget the conference league for a second. They beat Ferenc Varos who everyone listening to this pod is, is a name that they will f- be familiar with, and who are the current champions of Hungary. In the second round, they beat Hocken, who we were speaking about recently on the pod, the, the champions of Sweden. I, I saw them last year, and they're a, they're, they're a pretty tidy team. Um, so what about the... Have, we could talk about the draw against Lille. I, I know that's probably the, the headline, but beating the champions of Hungary and Sweden, if they'd have done nothing more... That would have been astonishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, sitting down with with Magna Herseth, the, the the manager now, Norwegian former international, he says that we drew nil nil in our first game of the season at home to Fenerbahce, and it was extraordinary. It felt very strange, and we thought we're not going to get embarrassed here if when we go away, we've proved that we're not going to get embarrassed. He thinks that. They played a similar game at home because they're very dominant in the Faroes at the moment. So they play all this attacking football. But in Europe, they had to come up with this plan to to, to soak up possession and, and somehow try and counter on teams, which they weren't really able to do in the home leg. But they drew it nil-nil and he said, we're not going to get embarrassed. He then says he walks in at half time away in Hungary and they're 3-0 up. And he said, I didn't have a plan for that. My plan was to say either we're still in the game and you give them a talk as if to say you're on the verge of something incredible here if you hang in or they're getting beaten comfortably and you say, look, go out there and do yourselves proud. You drew with this team at home. You can, you've proved you can match them. Go and give it your best. And they were 3-0 up. And he said, I don't have a plan for this. I, I, what do you say? You, you say, oh, you know, pretend it's nil-nil and don't, you know keep trying to attack don't sit back but you know it's rubbish because you've heard those team talks before and you know that when you're an underdog you sit back and you try and defend it and they had something to defend and yeah he, he's very honest about that um the 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 Hocken game again they draw the home leg nil nil and they think well we, we've got a blueprint now um but even then they they win on penalties having scored three goals away and it's the you know it's the 35 year old Vegard Foran who who'd been at Southampton and Brighton without ever playing he scores the winning penalty when i say it feels magical it's because it it feels completely unreal even to the manager when you sit down with him you see i don't even think that we are scratching at uh, the surface of just how remarkable this is for for listeners 
to OTC. I mean, you told me, Daniel, if this is a fair comparison, I think it would be like uh, the Orkneys getting to the knockout stages of the Champions League. Yeah, there's just nothing. There's nothing to compare it to in terms of in terms of everything that should make a difference. But their point, repeated over and over and over again, is that we are a football-obsessed country and we have pathways for people to play football. You know, every football pitch in the Faroes is open for kids to go on and play. There are 7,000 males, around 7,000 males between 17 and 35 in the Faroes. And yet they have a league structure which provides accommodation for 800 players, like 40 teams. So everybody who wants to play can play and they can get decent coaching. Um, They can play at a reasonably competitive level. And there's this spirit amongst them. And I don't know if it's, you know, the kind of poetic view is that it's part of being this island culture that people easily ignore that says, you're going to expect to roll us over. So we're not going to take it. And and there's no doubt that even in, all through that qualification, even until the Leo the Leo game, even until after the the, the Olympia Ljubljana home win, um, that teams were taking them, assuming that they would beat them, that they were they were completely underappreciating the spirit and we should say the kind of football level of that. But yes, in logistical terms, this is absolutely extraordinary. I in in terms of you saying everyone's got the opportunity to play a lot of what you're saying in terms of uh population size um in terms of the island culture in, in terms of climate I suppose to a, a certain extent strikes a lot of chords with the rise of Iceland really because you look at there the the, the um aim is to give facilities and good coaching and pitches that are playable on all year round to people regardless of level. It also reminds me of something that um, Lars Sivertsen said when he was on here talking about the rise of Erling Haaland, how um, football, he wasn't streamed in football until he was, for, for want of a better word, until he was about 14 or 15. It, they weren't in teams of ability. It was all mixed up. And this is something that would habitually, I think, in the West, be thought to slow your development. But is this a different way of thinking about football that we should maybe consider and football development that we should maybe consider? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it absolutely is in my mind. I mean, in in the Faroes and to an extent in Iceland, I think it's probably the only way that you can make it work. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily a choice there. I think it's a, a, a kind of, it's a need to situation. The only way that, that they are going to punch above their weight and both countries have done extraordinarily over the last two decades um, is is to do that, is, is, to, is to create this system where kids feel, A, feel like they want to play because it's an environment in which that cherishes them. But B, Claxvik is a perfect example. The, t- the pitch is in the middle of the town up the side of the hills of the houses, kids literally look out of their window growing up, see a football pitch that they can play on, see people in their town playing organised competitive football and think, I want to be part of that. Um, and, you know, that I, I was, I'm, I'm going to write a piece next week about that Faroese football in general, not Claxvik. And I sat down with the guys at the FA for, for a couple of days and they said... in. We've worked in the England system and it's a 0.000000 
X more number of 0.1% chance of a kid on an estate with a bit of talent making it. They say in fairies, it's about 12%. Because if you really want to play in the top division, you've got a pretty good, you know, as long as you've got a bit of talent and a bit of umph, you've got a fairly decent chance of doing it. (laughs) And once you're playing in the top division, if you've only got 25,000 men in your country and uh, and 7,000 of them are aged between 18 and 35, you've got a reasonable shot of playing for your country as well. And then he says, you know, we've played Spain on that pitch that those kids are kicking the ball around on now. So this, 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 it feels like a country where there's far fewer middlemen between the start of the dream and the end of the dream. And that's partly because there's not very many people and partly because they put a structure in place to allow for it. And it, it, it genuinely warms your heart because you can see it in action. Does that is is that uh, approach to football evident on the way they set out on the pitch? For example, is there a particular style that works uh, for Faroe Islanders? Uh, Koe in 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 Europe uh, have pl- have had to play defensive football. They are they're not a they're not strong enough. Uh, they don't train. Their, their fitness is not good enough to play like a relentless pressing football. It just isn't. Um, at home, they are a very attacking team because they have, over the last three or four years, through their success, they, they've created a, a domination in which they attract players from other clubs. Uh, and that, by the way, is, is a potential problem moving forward for Faroese football, that domination. But they have a, a way of playing that is is pretty perfunctory in terms of defence, but they, 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 they are now able to counteract at speed. There are two distinct problems here. The first is that Magna Herseth, who is currently doing his UEFA... Um, you know, he's he's done his A licence, he's doing his pro licence. And he says, I go to Oslo and learn on my pro licence course. And then I learn all these drills I'm supposed to make my players do. And then I turn up at training and, and one of them's an electrician. So he's been on his knees all day. One of them is a handyman. So he's been up ladders all day. Another one's been standing on a production line in a fish factory all day. You, There are no systems that can work here. Um, that's a kind of one size fits all. So he has to give them extra days off. He, some of them do come to training and they've had, long days and therefore they can't train in an evening we are talking about very kind of amateurish in inverted commas corinthian um values in this club um and the second is that their league season finished 10 days ago and they're still having to play in europe european games so magna herza describes that as a two as two problems in one firstly they were playing too many games because they'd never, ever been used to playing more than one game a week before. They'd only ever played league football. And suddenly they're having to travel off to, you know, Lille and Ljubljana to, to play games. And now they've got no football. And this is normally the time when the, the, the players, the semi-professional players, go off and do their jobs and don't take much time off. And they're still having to take time off and they're still having to train in evenings because they're now playing European football. And that's all they're playing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So I guess the question is, when it comes to those overseas players, I mean, overseas players and Ferrari's football culture are are not strangers by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you go back like 15, 20 years and there are, um, I, I guess, not the sort of Brazilians that we think about going to play in our top leagues, um, working in fish factories and and, and playing for a, a, a Faroese team. But, you know, you talked about it before with, with Foden and the coach. You know, there are a bigger names from Scandinavian football coming over now what sort of implication does this have both in terms of cost and in terms of development of the game uh the the the, the million dollar and that that's an inaccurate estimation of the price but the million dollar question is um yeah is whether the money that that Kaoi are going to get from this european campaign which is vast by their standards by Faroe's football standards um, what difference that makes for the game. And I think um, the club, speaking to the club, they say, well, it's a, it's an inspiration for everyone else. And, you know, that five years ago, we were nowhere, so they can do the same. I, I honestly think that's a slightly optimistic view. I think they will probably dominate the game in Furries football for a while to go. But if that money comes into the game, it can only help the development. And, and what we're talking about here is a long-term development of Furries football. They have been, remarkably, they have been 74 in the world before with a 55,000 population. That's breathtaking. They are now around 130, but there is a potential there for them to grow and grow again, even with the population they've got. And the kind of, the overwhelming message for me is it, 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 going there showed me that it doesn't really matter if you've got a million people or a hundred thousand people. If you've got a structure that focuses on getting the best out of what you've got in international terms and in European competition terms, you really can fight above your weight. And with everything that's going on with you know European football at the moment, that is really a really really heartening message. I think. And it is, but going back to the bit that you were talking about in terms of club football, I mean we've seen it in sort of second tiers, tier leagues before. And this is obviously a, a fair bit below, but, you know, we've seen it in Norway, we've seen it in Greece. When you have one team that wins the league all the time and makes European competition money all the time, I mean, conference league money can go a long way in the Faroe Islands, can't it? It's, it's not like yeah. the, the small change that it would be for an Italian club or an English club or, or, or whatever. How do you keep it? Competitive. I mean, I suppose you could say, uh, at least the thing with Quiet is they're they're not a capital club. 
So maybe that's different. And I think that's a big part of their identity, isn't it? They're not from mm. Torshavn. But how do you keep Ferrari's league football competitive? Is there some sort of imperative for them to invest the money for the, the wider good of, of, of Ferrari's football? How do you think it will work? I think there is an imperative to do that. I think that will be done. Um, I think that um, there is an inevitable knock-on effect of if, of, if Kaori do well, then Ferrari's football does well um, and the other clubs will freely concede that. Um, there are two questions really. Firstly is Ferrari's football by its very nature is, is a fairly transient game. Uh, mm. Magna Herseth took that job because he wanted to do his pro license and he wanted to manage while he was doing it. He will, just like Michal Thomason before him, will have ambitions to go abroad and manage in a bigger one in, in a bigger league. And I think they're hoping that the money stays behind, uh, the memories stay behind, the kind of generated goodwill for Ferry's football stays behind, even as people move on. Um but I cannot pretend that it's not a potential challenge or a potential problem for Ferrari's football. It, it, it has to be. There's no way around this. They think that other clubs can do what they did with a small amount of investment, with a big dream, with um, going down the same route as they did. They think they've created a blueprint for other clubs, particularly, as you say, you know, HB in, um, in Torshav, in the capital clubs. So, um, but they've won the league three years in a row now. Uh, having not won it, you know, having won it once in twenty years before that, so uh, there is a, a growing dominance there that 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 offers a question for the league. <laughs> One thing we should say is there's such a pride in the teams there that I don't think they, the, the general football support, will see it as a problem if Koi win the league every year. There isn't a oh our league's boring now because it's it's so small fry, it's so kind of pick up and go. Uh, these kind of that that nobody's thinking. Well, our, our league's ruined now. It's lost to money. They they don't see it that way. They see it as we're from a village of a thousand people and we all play together. And some weeks we win and some weeks we lose. And every year Koi wins the league. I don't think they would see that as a huge problem. Probably. I wonder if there's a sense, a different sense of football support there. You know, for the domestic teams because if there isn't, you know, if you don't have the rivalry, maybe it's more. Uh, a sense of let's just go and watch football rather than <laughs> let's go and make sure the opposition lose or whatever. But the question I really want to ask is just um, we haven't really talked about the stadiums that we're uh, that other European teams will have to come and play at. I I imagine that to some extent that is to um, call ease advantage because you know teams famously don't like it up and when they go away particularly when the crowd is that close and we're talking about only a few thousand but they're up 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 front and personal yes and i mean having experienced the weather in in Torshavn, even in october i can say that that yes it is it is up you um <laughs> for want of a better phrase um they aren't playing at their home ground which is a shame. They did play against, they were allowed to play the first two rounds. They played Ferenc and they played Hocken at home. They are now in the national stadium. Uh, it is 4G as everything is in in the Faroes. Um, it is very cold. It is very windy. You could see as soon as they scored the first goal against Olympia Ljubljana, you could see that um, the players probably didn't fancy it too much. Um, and that is definitely an advantage. But 
interestingly, one of the things that, that I asked Magna Herzeth about this, and he said, well, hang on a minute. Like, if we go and play in Hungary, it was really warm in September in Hungary, and we're not used to that. So it works both ways. We're not used to playing in 24, 25 degrees then, and we're not used to playing against professional teams. So if we have got an advantage from this home conditions, maybe you can give us this one. Maybe this can be our thing because everything else is weighted against us. So at least we're allowed a little bit of Faroese weather to get us through. Yeah, Andy, do you think San Marino and Liechtenstein and the likes are looking at this and thinking, what if you know the Faroe Islands can get to this stage in the Champions League? Why not us? Or one of us? I suppose it's, it's, it's slightly different, isn't it? Because despite um, the Faroes being like legally and administratively part of part of Denmark, um, as Daniel said from the start, it's, it's, it's an island nation, which makes a massive difference. I think with um, San Marino, uh, it's always going to be connected to, to to Italy and Liechtenstein. You think their biggest club plays in in, in the Swiss league, so. It's, it's it's slightly different. They've got to find their own way, really, don't don't they, Daniel? And I suppose Iceland have, have got to be the blueprint for them. But of course, Iceland had their own like growing pains, really. And I suppose you can't allege that totally, can you? Because on on, on one hand, you know, you've got, you've got to go through it to realise what those those problems are. But maybe having Iceland as, as as some sort of blueprint could be could be quite helpful. Yeah, they, the, the other the, the, the other thing to say on that is, you know, they they did get to seventy four in the world about eight or nine years ago, having beaten Greece mm. at home, and that gives you that big jump up the rankings for whatever they're worth. Uh, and the FA say that creates expectation because they're this island nation, because they're incredibly proud, because th- their spirit is as Kaoi's is, is well, why not? Why can't we do this? Why can't we qualify? Why can't we win? Why can't we? That 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 then kind of bleeds into the national consciousness of well, why aren't we beating? hungry at home why aren't mm. why are we only you know they they played Czech Republic at home fairly recently and I think lost 2-1 or 2-0 and the crowd afterwards they said the crowd was really angry that they hadn't got a point <laughs> and you think hang on a minute you know don't get carried away here it's it's kind of that simultaneous balance between the pride in being really small and yet the the achievement creating this expectation that you want to kind of remind people well, hang on a minute like look how far we've come here how far do you think we are off having uh, naturalised Brazilians and Norwegians in the national team? I don't think it will be South Americans. I the Kaoi have a have an Ivorian central midfielder, Luke Cassie. They have a, a Latif Ahmed, a, a Ghanaian defender. Uh, I wonder with if that might be the route. You know, we've seen kind of at Norgeland mm. in Denmark with the you know that Right to Dream Academy stuff and yeah. the kind of fairly mainstream now movement of players from from Africa to Scandinavian football that might be a way through my personal view in terms of the national team is 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 probably not because of this intense pride um the Norwegian thing is maybe a slightly different element but I I I think they are so fierce that there is such a this is my mate I went to school with him. I can go out for dinner with him. And he plays for the national team pride here that yeah. I don't think they want to lose. And to be frank, it would be a shame if they did lose. Well, it's a fabulous story either way. Um, we'll follow the fortunes, of course, of Cody, see how far they get. Don't want to jinx anything for now. But you are officially our OTC 
uh, Faroe Islands <laughs> correspondent, I think it's fair to say, Daniel. Daniel Story, thank you. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.